Well, let's make one thing clear right now. Uh, Roe v. Wade is still the law of the land. Abortion is still legal. You have a heartbeat and you have eyes and ears and fingers and toes. I, I mean, come on. Do, do, do they not have a voice? Do they not matter? Do you ever yeah, consider the uh, GM coach possible? Um. You're listening to Pod Suey, the week's top story served a la carte. Subscribe at thegreatvoice.com or wherever you get your podcasts. A leaked document obtained by Politico shows a preliminary draft by the Supreme Court to overturn Roe vs. Wade, which would leave it up to individual states whether or not abortion would be legal. All talk with Tom Jordan and Kevin Dietz got bipartisan reaction from lawmakers on both sides of the aisle, starting with Democratic Congresswoman Haley Stevens. Well, let's make one thing clear right now. Uh, Roe v. Wade is still the law of the land. Abortion is still legal. This draft uh, leaked decision shows us something that we were very concerned about, something that uh, we were preparing for, that the justices of the Supreme Court have uh, shown that they are going to have an utter disregard for women who need abortions in this nation, and they are bowing down to the demands of extremists. And so it's important to note that one of the few things that most Americans agree on is that women should have access to and care. Uh, so we need to roll up our sleeves here in Michigan. We need to obviously take this very seriously because this is a complete overriding of women's bodily autonomy, and it is going to have wide-ranging, cascading effects, particularly here in our beloved home state of Michigan. Your colleague, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and also Senator Chuck Schumer, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, they all say they want to focus on codifying uh, Roe v. Wade into law. Uh, the House already passed a bill to preserve this access to abortion, a Democratic majority, of course, but it didn't pass in the Senate uh, in February. If they try again, uh, there will still likely not be enough votes. Joe Manchin said he's just not going to vote for this without the uh, the filibuster in in place. What is your hope to, to that has that happens, and what do you think will happen? Well, I'm also certainly looking to our governor and our attorney general, who have been very strong and vocal. This is Governor Whitmer, Attorney General Dana Nassau, uh, in terms of making sure that Michigan women know. They will be standing up for their rights. I'm very deeply proud to co-sponsor the Women's Health Protection Act uh, and voted to pass it through the House of Representatives. Obviously, we've got a legislative operation here where we pass bills through the House and they've got to pass the Senate. And you you, you do need the, the 60 votes unless you can override it in a filibuster. We do have reconciliation, which is utilized through are for budgetary considerations, so something along those lines might not happen. But this is why it is so important for people to vote in my August 2nd primary, as well as the November election across Michigan and across this country. It is time to elect pro-choice Democrats who will enshrine women's rights in, into law. If we're not getting it done this term, which I'm going to fight like hell for us to be able to do that, we got to get back to the table next, next term and get it done. So Joe Biden, uh, he disagrees with the Supreme Court, as you do on this. He said, quote, to say that no one can make the judgment to choose to abort a child based on a decision by the Supreme Court, I think, goes way overboard. He used a phrase to abort a child. Do you believe that it is a child that's in the womb there? Well, I think what we're talking about, what a lot of people don't understand is, that uh, abortion procedures oftentimes happen when women are miscarrying. 
Um, Gary Peters shared his, Senator Gary Peters shared his abortion story, which I would encourage everyone to look up. It was very profound, very wide-ranging. He's also shared the outreach of uh, other testimonials that have come forward in that case. Uh, And and certainly we we are not uh, talking about living, breathing, sentient beings. Uh, What we are talking about is women like a friend of mine from Birmingham Seahome High School who wanted to have a hysterectomy and had to go through 15 years of asking doctors to perform this procedure. If you are a male and want a vasectomy, you can call and get one. She wasn't married, so therefore she didn't need her husband's permission to get a hysterectomy, although she did uh, require a psych evaluation. This is what we are talking about in 21st century America, that five to six Supreme Court justices who are Republican aligned are going to determine our rights. It is not acceptable. It will cost women's lives. It will hurt health outcomes. And we have got to make sure that we don't go backwards. So the the notion, and I fully understand, believe me, the loss of a child is horrendous to go through. Um, I've been there and I feel for Senator Peters for what he shared was very emotional. And, you know, he lost a child through uh, a natural abortion is the one way to put it. But it was a miscarriage. It's very heartbreaking. But back to my question, then, doesn't that mean that there is a child in the womb there? That was my question to you. Well, well sir, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm not clear that you um, have been able to carry a child I haven't. Uh, in your womb. Yeah, you're, you're a male. Right. So okay. you were asking me a question as a woman of childbearing age. Yes. And what I'm very politely to you, is I would like to have the right to make a decision about my health outcomes. And I don't want you inquiring about that to me. I don't want the Supreme Court inquiring about that to me. I want to have that very personal conversation with my doctor. Yeah, no, I understand that. And I'm not I'm not putting words in your mouth. I'm not telling you what to do. Yes, I am a male. And uh, I, I have lost it. I'm not sure what your point was there other than the fact that I, I think you're saying I have no say because I'm a male. I guess that was your point. That would be correct, sir. That would be correct. Okay, Thank so I have, I have no say because I am a male, and I am a father of five kids, one of whom I have lost. And I, and I, I, had, I took half of this child that is in the womb was from a male, but the male has no right to say anything? I'm so sorry for the loss of your child, sir. I don't believe that you have any right to discuss my health outcomes as a woman. I'm not discussing your health outcome whatsoever. Okay, well, let's move on because I'm not sure what your point is here. Um, But I will say that there is a lot of disagreement about this. It's highly controversial. I don't think we have to demean anyone on either side of this. And but I do appreciate your perspective. I respect your perspective. Um, and I think everyone's perspective should also be respected. Thank you. Congresswoman Haley Stevens, appreciate it. More to come. Good to be with you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Republican Congresswoman Lisa McClain. Uh, obviously, I think it is a great win for you know millions of unborn children. Um, I, I'm cautiously optimistic, and I, I really hope the court does rule on this sooner as opposed to later, because even though the draft was authentic, right? The leak was authentic. 
um, you know, there's a lot of rumors going around and the sooner we can get to this decision, I, I think the better. But needless to say, um, I'm very excited and, and very happy about the ruling. Your colleagues uh, in the House, including Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, she's been very vocal about this. And then on the other side, in the other House, Senator Chuck Schumer uh, said yeah. they're, they're going to now focus on codifying Roe v. Wade into law. And the House, which you're a part of, did pass a bill already to, pre- to preserve access to abortion. It's the Democratic majority. But it didn't pass in the Senate in February. It, and if they try again, do you think there is any support? I mean, you gotta get you got to get Joe Manchin on board if that's going to happen. And it doesn't look like he supports this. Do you think yeah, this push is going to succeed in the Senate this time around? No, I don't. I don't. Um, you know, they, they the, the, the other side continues. Um, to play games and to play games with our institutions um, and our rules and just the rule of law. And I I think that's gravely concerning. I I mean, we may not like the fact that baseball has three strikes, but I don't get up there and try and change the game every time. You play within the rules of the game. So at the end of the day, no, I I don't think it's going to going to pass the Senate. Um, yes, it's a very divisive or divisive issue. There's no question on that. But, you know, um, at the end of the day, I think the, the, the people have spoken. And I'm glad that it, it, I'm cautiously optimistic. It's not the final ruling. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, let's play within the rules in which we're given. So um, I'm excited about it. That's uh, to put the power back in the state's hands is where it actually belongs. And and the, the intimidation and the unprecedented leak, it's just, you know, you look weak. If you can't debate on the issues, um, you got some real problems when you try and rig the game. And, and continually, that's what the other side does. And it's it, it it's kind of, frankly, quite embarrassing for them. Yeah, if you can't uh, clearly identify what really is taking place here and you make these fundamental uh, mischaracterizations, about what's happening, then to your point, you're not arguing the actual issue itself. And this uh, it comes down to a constitutional issue that this needs to go back to the states. That being said, so President Joe Biden, he's said of this draft opinion that if it's finalized, which it looks like it will be, uh, the idea, he says, that we're letting the states make those decisions, localities make those decisions, would be a fundamental shift in what we have done in this country. Is that right? Well, I, might, fun- well, I, might, um, I might ask the president to go back and read the Constitution because we are not a federalist uh, society. Right. Um, we need to get the power back in the state's hands, number one. Number two, you know, I, I, hard, I find it hard to believe anything Joe Biden says because one day he's pro-life, the next day he's pro-choice. He, he doesn't know what he what he is you know he can't be consistent to save his life and i think that's the uh, again the frustrating piece with the american people is just pick a side and stay on it you cannot continue to flip-flop right i i know we're having some cognitive issues but at the end of the day you got staff around that can remind you what you said so uh, unfortunately our president isn't the strongest president that we've ever had and and I think you're seeing that play out right now and just as back and forth. Yeah, he did say something as well yesterday. Uh, he said that to say that no one can make the judgment to choose to abort a child 
based on a decision by the Supreme Court, I think goes way overboard. He said that, uh, essentially arguing that deciding to abort a child is a personal and private choice. He used the word child, child. in that. Yeah. And I picked up on that yesterday, and I asked Haley Stevens this. Do, does she believe that it is a child that is in the womb, as the president has said? What do you think? A- absolutely. I mean, absolutely. And the people, uh, you know, I'm a woman. I'm a mother. And at some point in time, we need to start taking responsibilities for our actions. We, we've kind of lost that concept of res- individual responsibility. Um, we, we have to stop playing the victim all the time. It, it's really not becoming. And I would say to my, my um, colleagues on the other side of the aisle, listen, I, I, I believe in women's health, but this isn't a one-person debate. There's also a there's also an unborn child. What about that? Their choice? Are they not? Do we only care about human rights after they're born? I, I mean, I think I think Ronald Reagan said it best. You, you notice that the people that are on the side of um, abortion have already been born, and that is a pretty interesting statement when you think about that. We seem to fail to recognize that there is another party that we're dealing with that doesn't have a choice. And when you can feel pain and when you have a heartbeat and you have eyes and ears and fingers and toes, I mean, come on, do do they not have a voice? Do they not matter? The American Civil Liberties Union and other pro-choice organizations picked up over 17,000 volunteers to collect signatures in hopes of getting abortion on the November ballot since the Roe vs. Wade draft leaked. Jessica Iob, ACLU Michigan, public engagement strategist on Guy Gordon. The last 36 hours have been incredible. Um, right before I hopped on the phone with you, I saw that over 13,000 new volunteers have signed up to take action with Reproductive Freedom for All, which is a ballot initiative that would explicitly enshrine the right to abortion and reproductive health care in the Michigan Constitution. Um, so we are seeing a ground swell of support and are so grateful um, for all of the uh, volunteers out there who are raising their hands saying that they want to protect this fundamental right here in Michigan. You've been involved in some of these ballot initiatives before. Tell me, how unusual is that show of support or that show of willingness to go out and actually beat the bricks and get signatures? I mean, it is it is incredible. It is unlike anything I have ever seen in my five years at the ACLU of Michigan. You know, I, I cut my teeth on my work at the ACLU of Michigan on Promote the Vote um, back in 2018, which was another ballot measure um, that expanded ballot access, of course. Um, and throughout the whole campaign, we had a fraction of what we're seeing now. Um, And I think it really goes to show that Michiganders are eager to protect this fundamental right in Michigan. Some some are eager and some are not. Uh, I mean, this could bring out a variety of passions on on both sides, and we're already seeing that. So for those that are are unfamiliar with the petition itself, kind of give me the, the, the rundown, the 411 on, on what exactly it would do. It would enshrine reproductive rights into the Michigan Constitution as a starter. That is right. That is right. So this constitutional, um, <clears throat> excuse me, amendment um, would explicitly uh, protect 
the right to reproductive freedom um, here in Michigan um, and uh, explicitly would grant um, protection for these rights um, in the uh, Michigan Constitution. Um, and so in order to enshrine these rights, which include everything ranging from prenatal care to postnatal care to miscarriage care, um, this uh, will ensure that people are um, able to ex access reproductive health care without political interference. And so to qualify for the ballot, we need 425,059 signatures from registered Michigan voters so that this can make it on the ballot in November for, for voters right. to decide on. So you would protect the woman seeking the abortion. You would protect the abortion provider. But how far do those protections go? Is this an unlimited right to an abortion or is there a viability standard, as we have seen in the law, which it's been 23 weeks? What would it look like in terms of limitations? So this amendment would provide the right for folks to access abortion care up until viability, and it would leave that decision to be between a patient and their doctor to decide what is best for the health of the patient and their um, and their pregnancy. But if assuming that I'm a pro-choice advocate, I'm you know, and the, and the, the polls on this are pretty clear. Uh, folks are comfortable with 23 weeks. They're even more comfortable with 15 weeks. I think the, the latest number that I saw was somewhere approaching 57% said they'd like to see that as the standard. By not declaring a standard, it's very subjective. A, a, a provider could say, well, you know, 25, 26, 30 weeks. Sure. So this is really preserving the rights that are guaranteed under Roe versus Wade, right? So this would not change anything in terms of how um, how folks can access abortion now. It would just ensure that that right is protected um, if the Supreme Court does overturn Roe versus Wade. Okay, but what if, 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 if you're successful and this is enshrined in the Michigan Constitution, would it block the legislature from applying a limit like that, a distinct and specific limit of 23 weeks, 15 weeks, in other words, defining vi viability. Sure. So um, it would allow the legislature to um, define those limits within a compelling state interest, right? And so the, the default is that this decision is going to be made um, between a patient um, and their doctor, um, and uh, it does allow for the government to um, to, to offer those um, viability limits. So, so it's interesting. When, when, when you look at the polling on this, it's, it's incredibly disjointed, and it's also nuanced. People are conflicted. If you ask them, do you think Roe should be overturned? I've seen polls showing as many as 70% and more saying no. If you ask them, should abortion be illegal, you have a majority saying yes. So knowing that this is a, a very complicated question... How certain are you that you're going to meet that threshold by July 11th? We are absolutely confident that we will get the signatures required to make it to the ballot. We have seen an incredible groundswell of support in just the past 36 hours, and that continues to grow. Mm -hmm. If every single person on this call um, or who has signed up to take action collects signatures, there's no telling how quickly that can multiply. We are 
so excited to mobilize these folks to get out and collect those signatures and are really excited um, to qualify for the ballot in November. One of your partners, Planned Parenthood, is also challenging the 1931 law that presumably would be to some degree revitalized or reactivated if Roe is is overturned. If the 31 law is struck down, if that lawsuit is successful, will you cease your campaign and allow uh, the legislature to do its work? We are using every tool in our toolbox, um, including litigation and including this ballot measure to make sure that we are protecting access to reproductive freedom here in Michigan. Um, And we'll continue to use all of the tools in our toolbox. Right now, we've got some prosecutors saying, look, if the 31 law prevails, we will not enforce it. What kind of a precedent does that set when prosecutors can pick and choose laws that they will enforce? Because if you're successful, couldn't that be turned right back around on you with some prosecutors saying, I have a religious objection, I believe this is unconstitutional, therefore I am going to enforce what I believe the law to be, and providers will be charged. Sure. Well, you know, while I what I'd really love to continue talking about today is just how tremendous the support is that we've seen um, for this initiative. Well, I understand right? that's what, what seeing... you'd like to talk about. We have been talking about it. But I, I mean, that's a, isn't that kind of a thorny question? If you're successful, couldn't we have prosecutors do the same thing? And maybe you don't endorse them doing that. And that's fine. But I think you it's know, a, we really I think it's, it's, a, it's a critical question. It's certainly a critical question and and not one that I am, uh, you know, equipped to weigh in on right now. Okay. All right. And I and I appreciate that. And what about the person who leaked the document? Chief Justice John Roberts has ordered an investigation. Senior news analyst Marie Osborne discusses it with Paul W. Smith. Chief Justice Roberts is directing the Supreme Court's marshal to open this investigation. There have been calls for the Justice Department to identify and criminally charge the leaker. But while the leaker might face professional consequences like getting fired or losing a law license, legal analysts say they will almost certainly not face any criminal exposure if they had legitimate access to the document. So if they took the document from an office they did not have access to, that might be a different story, but we'll explain that. So there's a law that could be at issue here which prohibits the theft or receipt of stolen government information, as well as theft of documents that could also be applied to the Supreme Court documents. But the Justice Department's criminal division has said that as a matter of policy, that it would be inappropriate to bring a prosecution under the law in the following circumstances, when the thing alleged to have been stolen was intangible property, like government information, when the person obtained or used the property primarily for the purpose of disseminating it to the public, and when the property was not obtained by wiretapping, interception of correspondence or trespassing. In other words, if someone with legitimate access to this draft, like a justice or a clerk or an administrative assistant, leaked the information because they thought the public should know about it, the Justice Department would not treat that leak as a crime. And one law expert said that this certainly is a fireable offense without question, but there's uh, no obvious criminal provision that could apply to this. 
and a draft uh, Supreme Court opinion is not classified. That's something I didn't know, which is typically the basis for leak investigations. And while someone could argue that sharing the document with reg- with a reporter amounts to theft of government property, the department's own guidance suggests it would not charge a leak like this as a crime, Paul W. Really? Yeah. Doesn't that surprise you a little bit, the way they're reacting very to this? Very surprised. Very surprised. Wow. I, I, I don't know so what to if say. It was, so in other words, if it's somebody who had, um, just by virtue of their job, had access to this document, all right, if they just, by the job they did for the Supreme Court, they would have access to this, and they leaked it, that's not a crime. Now, if they did not... And um, they went into somebody's office and took it or maybe went into a drawer, but they would not ordinarily have access to that information. And they leaked it. That could be uh, a basis of a crime, but not the other way. Wow. Well, I, I, OK, then why is Supreme Court Justice Roberts calling well, for an investigation? Well, they can <laughs> they can fire the person, which would certainly uh, be uh, uh something that could very easily happen and probably appropriate so they could be fired they could be shamed identified you know all of that so they they definitely want to find out who did this now back in the early uh, uh, 1900s the justice department did pursue a case against a clerk who had been accused of sharing uh, supreme court decisions with wall street insiders before they were released and that's you know, today we consider that insider trading, but that's the only other case that's even remotely similar to this one. Red Wings fired head coach Jeff Blaschel after just one playoff berth in seven seasons. Steve Eiserman went on the Mitch Album show, and Mitch asked the captain turned general manager, "Do you ever consider the uh, GM coach possibility?" Um, yeah, no, no, I, 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 I think <laughs> like just throwing it out there. Subtle. Yeah, no. Could like save that. some money. Honestly, <laughs> I, you know, when I, towards the end of my playing career, um, you know, I thought, what avenue do I want to go in? I, I was intrigued for a little while on coaching, um, and then I ultimately chose the management route. Um, truthfully, at the age of fifty, you know, I'm, I'm turning fifty-seven. I've got zero coaching experience, and and I like to do things. I like to be prepared when I do something and I really would need to go start coaching. If I ever would ever coach, I'm going somewhere to start coaching. My first coaching job yeah. would not be in the NHL um, <laughs> for me. Yeah. I just, I'm just, I would like to go and do it. But having said that, I just think, you know, the way I want to manage the organization and where we're at right now, even if I, even if I say, Hey, I'm going to be the coach, I'm going to do it. Why not give it a shot? See what happens. I don't think you can do both jobs. I just and do them very well. Like no. uh, maybe you know, I think Glenn Sather did it for a while with his team in the with the Oilers back in the in, in the eighties. He had that team humming along, you know, and uh, and uh, you know he was able to manage it and that. But uh, it's not something I want to do. And I think where we're at right now, um, I don't think it would be the right thing to do, even if I felt I was qualified to do it. Actually, I was just kidding around, but that's a really good answer. <laughs> <laughs> They'll do it for Pod Sui this week. For full interviews or anything else you might have missed, go to thegreatvoice.com. See you next time.